Hello, welcome to He's Hot But Something's Off with me, just Joey T. It is Wednesday that I'm recording this, and for those who are watching the video version of the podcast, which is available on Spotify and also on my YouTube channel, Just Joey T, I have a uh, sweatband around my forehead, not because I am sweaty, but it's to push my hair back. Uh, For most of my life, I've had really short hair like most guys do, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to grow my hair out. Actually, there was a phase when I was like eight or nine years old where I had longer hair, that center split, uh, very like mid-90s. But early in the pandemic, I decided to grow my hair out. And then I did it for like six or seven months. I didn't have that much to do during the early days of the pandemic anyways. And since then, I've had slightly long-ish hair in some way, shape, or form. And then a few months ago, I decided to cut it a little bit shorter, maybe back to like a couple inches. And I didn't like it that much. I'm growing my hair out a little bit. But what's really annoying for me is having the hair in my face. Like when my hair is long enough where it gets down to my eyelids or my eyes, I find it really annoying, especially when I'm trying to put my skincare on and the hair is just like in the way. Uh, So uh, in my bathroom, I keep one of these sweatbands just where I keep all my product so that when in the morning or at night, when I'm putting on moisturizer or lotion or whatever, I put the band on to keep my hair like pulled back and then I can like do my face basically. The other thing you notice if you're watching the video version of the podcast is I've got two mics here today because I'm playing around with some of the uh, audio and there's like something I'm trying to figure out. Very, very techy, very, very technical. Uh, but yeah, I uh, just got back from getting groceries and I was like really frustrated getting groceries. And I used to only get groceries when it's nighttime, when it's not busy. And for whatever reason, for like the last several months, I've been going to get groceries during rush hour. And I was driving back from groceries today and I'm like, I used to do the smart thing to not be out and about during rush hour to run chores. Why am I doing this now? We're not going to do this again. It's because when I need to go get groceries, I'll drive. And most of the days I'm going to the gym. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I need to get groceries, which means I need to drive. So why don't we just uh, combine it with the gym because you're going to the gym anyways. So it's an excuse to drive to the gym, basically. So I'll drive to the gym and then I'll do my gym and then when I'm done with the gym, it's usually like 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Then I will drive to the Whole Foods in West Hollywood, and I get groceries, and I come home. So on paper, this sounds great, right? Like, if you're going to leave the house for whatever reason anyways, it's like when you're coming home from work, you pick up whatever you need for, like, groceries or whatever. Um, it's like the common smart thing to do, right? It's not smart for me to go to the gym and then get groceries when it's rush hour and they come back home for a few different reasons. Number one, I'm very tired after the gym. Number two, I haven't eaten anything for like two or three hours by then. So I'm hungry. So put those two things together. That means I'm hangry usually at the end of the gym. And then now you put a hangry Joey into LA rush hour traffic 
And then you need Hangry Joey after having driven in rush hour traffic in Los Angeles to go find a parking spot in a parking lot that is one, too small, second, completely packed, three, where like no one is looking where they're going. I had two cars almost back into me after I parked today in that Whole Foods parking lot. That's not like the typical occurrence, but I was like, I parked my car and I was just walking. There were cars driving by, so I was just walking behind the parked cars. And then this one car like almost backed into me. And then when I was done getting groceries, walking back to my car, this like massive SUV almost like again backed into me again. So yeah, these are all the reasons why I'm not supposed to go get groceries in the middle of the day. And I figured this out a long time ago for some reason. Uh, there's been a regression. So I'm now reminding myself, do not go get groceries in the middle of the day. I used to go at like 9 p.m., 8.30 or 9 p.m. on a weekday, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where like no one's really out. Uh, The grocery store is a very lovely place uh, when it's 9 p.m., like an hour or so before they close, but there's not that many people in there. I don't like going to like the mall. I was talking to a friend recently. I don't like going to a mall. I don't like anywhere where there is people walking slowly that they're not looking where they're going. And then they'll just suddenly like stop or change directions or anything like that. Uh, It's very trying for me to be in that type of environment. So being in a mall, especially if it's busy, like on a weekend, the last place you'll find me is in a mall. If you see me at a shopping center or a mall, on a weekend especially, it's only because there's been some dire emergency and I need to emergency buy something. And the only way to buy that thing that I need right now is at that mall. That's the only reason you catch me at a shopping center uh, on a weekend or anytime it's busy. Also, I shouldn't be shopping when I'm hungry. It's Don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry, right? Everyone's learned that lesson by now because when you're hungry, and you go into a grocery store, you overbuy things. So I think I bought like a few extra things too much because I just went to the gym. I haven't eaten in a few hours. I'm tired. I'm really hungry. It's just like throwing everything into the basket. But yeah, also in this particular Whole Foods parking lot, the parking spots are way too narrow. So you get a lot of spots where the cars on either side They're like on the line, not because they are horrible drivers, but they're not great drivers, but because the each spot is barely wide enough to like fit your car where every once in a while you get an empty spot in this parking lot because only like the narrowest of cars will be able to fit into them because every spot is just like drawn up too narrow. It's a it's a parking it's a parking lot that is basically designed to frustrate you is too small for all the stores that are there. It's like this like little strip mall thing. It's not just a Whole Foods. It's like other shops and stuff there. It's too small for all the shopping that is available there. It's, especially considering it's in the middle of LA, it's in the middle of West Hollywood and the spots are like too small and like the traffic control in that place is like horrible. And I usually like driving, but like, I used to go driving for fun. When I was in college, for example, um, I would sometimes go out, especially at nighttime when it's quiet, um, and I would just go on drives just to drive. I don't, I haven't done that in 
years, literally, because um, when I'm driving, it's just get to get get to from A to B. And also, LA traffic doesn't make it doesn't make driving fun. It's not fun to drive in LA traffic. It's coming from someone who I love driving. I love cars. And to actually get out of the LA traffic so that you can actually enjoy the act of driving, you need to be, you need to spend some time to make your way out of LA first. So you need to, it needs to be a not busy time of the week or the day. It needs to be like at night or something like that, or get up super early. And you need to like get out of LA. There are no fun roads within LA proper anyway. So you need to like get to the PCH or get like a little bit at least to the edge of the city, and then maybe you can find some good roads. There's a lot of good driving roads in SoCal, but I'm just busy enough, even though I don't have a day job right now, uh, to actually go and, like, just drive for fun. Also, like, uh, the car insurance isn't getting any cheaper. My car just got uh, T-boned by this stupid bitch, which I'm still shorting out. So, yeah, I used to drive for fun, and, like, yeah, just LA is just... If you live in the middle of the city and you need to get out of the city to drive for fun, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's, it takes a lot sometimes. I used to commute an hour each way in LA because I used to have a job in Santa Monica. That's where the office is, is pre-pandemic. It was 45 minutes to drive there in the morning. Um, there's no highways really between West Hollywood and Santa Monica. It's all uh, surface streets. And then... It'd be almost an hour to get back. I remember there were a couple of times where it took over an hour to come back from work. That doesn't sound that great. Um, what I mean, that doesn't sound that horrible for it to take like an hour to get home from a commute in uh, a large place like LA County. But it was 10 miles to do that commute. The distance was only 10 miles each way. 45 minutes to do a mile is not so horrible. If it takes you over an hour in like stop and go traffic to do 10 miles, like that's a lot of stop and go. So well, thank God I don't have that job anymore. And I, well, I don't have any job right now, but I've actually been looking for jobs kind of sort of frequently. I'm not super seriously like, um, searching for jobs like most people would if they were actually looking for a proper job. You know, I, I could put more effort into it, but I'm very much, um, if the right job with the right company appears and I'm interested, then I'll apply. I feel like I'm so much more picky about the type of company uh, that I might want to work for. And I'm also totally prepared now mentally to not go back to the IT career. Um, I'm trying to work on some side hustles and I'm also trying to start a business. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, it's feasible to like, just not go back and have the nine to five and have that paycheck from like a company. But uh, if the right type of company has the right kind of uh, opening available, uh, which is a little bit like needle in a haystack. I feel like most people look for a day job. They care somewhat about the type of company they are going to apply and might potentially work for. Whereas for me, just given where I am right now and my experiences with the companies I've worked with, 
I feel like I am so picky about the type of company that I might want to work for. Um, not because I think the companies I don't want to work for are bad companies. Just that, for example, I don't want to work for just like a random software company. Um, like you're running the mill tech company. Like, I don't know what, what are you doing? That's so interesting. That makes me want to care about the, the, the product or service that you're offering. And I also feel like a lot of companies kind of expect everyone that works for them and applies for them to drink their Kool-Aid. They add this thing where I feel like a lot of companies, especially like startup tech type companies, it almost feels a bit like a cult. It's like they want to hear that you're like so super gaga over their product or service or their business model. And before you even talk to any of the interviewers, you're supposed to have like done your homework and be so knowledgeable about what the company does and what they stand for, what their values are. I did one, I one called with a recruiter with a very well-known large tech company, which I, let's keep it nameless. It might be more fun that way. And this was a, a couple months ago. And it was for some random position, which is up my alley. It's kind of the type of IT position I, I, uh, I have experience in that would want to look for. Um, and they actually reached out to me, uh, you know, there are recruiters and HR positions uh, in companies where they will go see if there are any potential candidates out there on like LinkedIn or wherever. So uh, they contacted me. I didn't even know about that position. Um, and they set up a call. We're talking to this recruiter and I, there's a few, there's a few issues here. Number one, I didn't like the way that particular recruiter conducted the call. Uh, for example, there's one question where she was saying, uh, just very briefly, can you just uh, give me a summary of um, your experience and the companies you work for since you graduated? Um, so basically like a quick summary of like uh, the, t the companies that are on my resume basically. And I basically gave her a quick summary, but she literally said like, give me like a quick summary. So I only talked for like, 45 to 60 seconds. And then she was like, well, I wouldn't need more information than that. So if you bitch, if you ask for something quick and you got something quick, I mean, don't be a fucking hypocrite. So, and then the second thing I didn't like about her, and I don't like this when I interview candidates or talk to candidates for a company. And I've been a hiring manager for like a few years now. Um, even outside of that, I've interviewed like, at least over like a hundred candidates, probably maybe like closer to 200, just in, over my entire like work career. I've talked to like a lot of potential candidates and I've been in that, uh, on that side of the desk where I'm a hiring manager, I'm working with the recruiters in my company, trying to decide what do we need for this position? What kind of candidates would be a good fit? Discussing different candidates at the final stage and who to actually give an offer to or not, right? This recruiter did one thing that I try very hard not to do, which is fish for certain answers you want to hear in, uh, from a candidate, right? Uh, so if you're going to ask um, a question, if you want to know something about a candidate and you kind of want to know whether they have a specific skill or experience or not, bitch, just ask. Like, do you know ABC? Yes or no? Very straightforward, very easy. This recruiter was not doing that. So this recruiter, it kind of sounded like she was given 
a script of questions to ask all the candidates, maybe from like the hiring team or the hiring manager. And I can kind of tell by the way she was reading them out. So she was reading out these questions and then I would give an answer and then she would be like, well, but like, what about this type of a thing? So I would be like, okay, oh, about that thing. Okay, this is the experience I have or this is what I know or don't know about that thing. Um, but then she did that like multiple times um, and it just really sounded like she could have been in Lombardy fishing. But she said, do you know X, Y, Z? That could have been a yes or no question. It would have saved us like a ton of time and not have it feel like we have to make all these detours in this like conversation that is taking way too long. She said it was going to be a 30 minute um, call. It became like 45 minutes only because of her, to be really honest. And here's the final kicker with this person, which is she asked all these questions. We talked for like over 30 minutes and we're running over time now. And then she's like, um, okay, um, thanks for your for all the answers. Uh, we're actually looking for someone who has like this, and we have other candidates that have um, um, had have experience with like X and Y and Z, and I'm like a bit worried because um, A, B, C. I, I, I'm thinking like, what are you trying to? What is the purpose of like fishing for answers but not asking me those things directly, and then telling me like? Well, I'm kind of worried because you're not stacking against these other candidates that have like X, Y, Z. If you really, if you knew you needed certain skills or certain experiences for the role, just ask. Like, do you have X? Do you know Y? Do you have experience with Z? Like, this recruiter was just one of the worst recruiters I've ever talked to, honestly. So, like, this, which is why I'm not gonna like name drop this company, but like this person. If I was working, I was on the other side of the table and I was like the hiring team or the hiring manager and I shadow her and this is how she was talking to a candidate, I'll be like, I would pull her away privately and I would be like, okay, this is what I need you to ask. And like, you're talking in circles. Like you're, you're trying to fish certain answers out of people and you're just hoping that they give you the answer that they want out of your vague question. But you're also like, trying to slap them on the back of the wrist at the end by telling them like they don't stack up or like telling them like basically, hey, I'm fishing you for these answers and you're not giving them to me. So I'm worried about you. So yeah, like you don't fish for answers. If you're, if you're in a position and you in a company where you're asked to hire people or you've been asked to be on the interview panel, like just think about what qualifications or skills or experience or, you know, traits that you need from the person to fill this role. Make sure you have a good understanding of the role itself, what's needed for that role. Do some research if you're not that familiar with the role that you're interviewing for. And then make sure you ask good questions. If there's a particular type of answer that you want to hear for an open-ended question, that should be a red flag. If you ask open questions, and the question, it should be an open-ended answer. And then sometimes the answer is not so important as how the candidate got there, right? So I'm not going to join on and on anymore. This wasn't even on my original list of things to talk about today. But yeah, um, driving really gets me going. Uh, don't get me started on like bad drivers. Again, I told you guys I just had this person that T-boned the side of my car and it was like totally not my fault. And now I'm out like thousands of dollars 
Uh, not for the repair, because the insurance is going to cover it, but like, you know, like no one wants to buy a damaged car that's been an accident before and I'm in the process of getting a new car. Um, anyways, let's switch topics. Um, the Twice concert, so I was in Chicago uh, about a week ago. It was last week, Wednesday, that I was in Chicago with my friend Eric and went to the Twice concert. Twice is a very popular K-pop group. Mostly, they're more popular in South Korea. Uh, they're gaining some popularity in the U.S., but they're not on the level of, like, Blackpink over here. Um, it's a really good, really good concert. If you saw me at that concert, like, I was fangirling so hard. I legit thought I was going to lose my voice after that concert was over. But, like, I, my voice was 100% okay afterwards. Um, but it was really cool uh, to, like, it, it's like seeing a celebrity on the street kind of a thing, right? So people that you've only ever seen on screen or, like, you hear the music on your phone or whatever, and then when you see them in person, it's, like, so weird for your head to, like, put two and two together that, oh, like, these people's music uh, that I've been, like, listening to and, like, their videos that I've been watching so much of on YouTube or on TV, it's, like, the same people that's, like, in the same physical space with you right now. They actually played for, I think, two and a half or almost three hours was, like, the, from, like, the start to the stop. They had um, a few moments where, like, they did breaks, um, obviously, for like a two and a half hour, three hour concert. But I was surprised how long the concert went on. We really got like our bang for the buck for it. Um, we were kind of sort of like halfway up the, uh, not the bleachers, but it was in United Center in Chicago. It's this huge stadium. And then basically you have the uh, seating that's like on like the ground floor, like stage level or like a little below stage level. And then you have the seating that's like, the side all around the edge of the stadium. You have like the lower level, the mid-level, and like the upper level. So we're in the mid-level, kind of on the side. It's really hard to like see um, if you just look directly onto the stage. It's we're like a little far away, but honestly, it wasn't that bad. And given that, Eric, thank you for paying for my ticket and let me like crash in your hotel room. Yeah, but I haven't been to a concert since... This is the second concert I've ever went to. I don't feel like I'm a concert type of a person, really. Um, so even after this concert, uh, which is a really good concert, and for, like, pretty much one of the only groups uh, or artists that I actually go to a concert for, um, even after that, I was like, I don't think I necessarily need to do this all the time. Maybe I'm just not a concert type person but I, I did have a really good time if you saw me at a concert you would be like this is joey this joey's a, this is a very different joey joey is fangirling hard i was singing to like all the songs that i knew uh, i was dancing to the ones that i knew the choreography to so it was actually like a really really good time unfortunately um there's been a lot of weather uh on the east coast last week and I fly with United, unfortunately. I fly with United not because I like United. I fly with United because they're part of Star Alliance, and they've got a lot of really good airlines in the alliance that I fly with, which is like Singapore Airlines, uh, ANA, uh, Eva Air, uh, to name a few. But that's why I'm actually with United. But United got hit pretty bad with like all the traffic and all like the delays and cancellations and all that kind of stuff last week. So coming back from New York... 
um, like a week and a half ago, last episode, I talked about how I got delayed and I missed a connection. Coming back from Chicago last Wednesday from the concert, I also missed my connection because the weather and also like United just effing up everything. So there are more flight, uh, flight delays again. I was on my final flight that got rescheduled to come back to LAX. And I was sitting there and then they kept having to delay the flight, which is still at the gate because there were uh, thunderstorms in the area and there was lightning. And every time there was a lightning in the vicinity of the airport, they have to close the ramp, quote unquote, is the term where anyone who was a ground crew, like all the ground staff at the airport, including the people that would push the airplanes back uh, from the gate, they all had to like uh, take cover and go inside for safety reasons. And then every time there's lightning, they have to do that for like 10 minutes. They start a timer, apparently. So we're literally sitting on this plane for, I think we're sitting on the plane for like an hour and a half, almost two hours before, from when we boarded to when we actually like was able to like head to the uh, runway and actually take off. Um, but during the hour and a half, this guy behind me was snoring like hardcore to the point where like I had my AirPods, noise canceling earbuds in, and I was like watching a video or something on my iPad. I could hear this guy snore and like he was so loud. I'm sure like half the plane heard him snore. It was like really hardcore snoring. I was thinking I wasn't super annoyed, but I was thinking turning around in my seat and telling him, if you stop snoring, I won't recline my seat into your face for the whole fight. But I, I, I wasn't that annoyed. I was just thinking about it. I wasn't going to actually say that to him, but he was snoring really, really loud. <sighs> okay. So to wrap up another episode of the podcast, as usual, but not for that much longer, we're coming to the end of the season. We're going to talk a little bit about RuPaul's Drag Race, Some Stars Season 8. I think we're up to episode 9 by now. So we actually have our top three, which is uh, Jimbo, Candy, and Jessica. And Alexis Michelle was eliminated this time. Um, this was the Carson Cressley roast. And uh, one, the only uh, thing I really noticed um, that I want to comment on, it's not about the episode itself, was about some of the comments uh, that were made um, on this YouTube video that I saw. So at Roscoe's in Chicago, they do a viewing party um, every week of each episode. Um, and it's, um, what's her name? It is uh, blah, 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 blah. It's Nisha Lopez that hosts it. And every week they have uh, some uh, guests, uh, drag queens come on. And this week, uh, the guests were uh, Alexis Michelle and Lala Ree. So I didn't actually watch the whole um, replay of the Roscoe's viewing party, but I was doing something on a computer. I was working on something, and I just wanted to have something on in the background. So I put on a fan video where they just did highlights of uh, both the episode, but especially of what was said in this Roscoe's viewing party. So in this recap video, they were highlighting things that Alexis Michelle said, but it's been kind of controversial things that she said and done on the show so far. Me and David Lamb, when uh, we found out that Alexis going home this week, we were both thinking... It's about time. Production kept her there uh, until like the top three or whatever because, hey, it's, it's good TV. It's, it's good production. You know, makes it entertaining. 
I get it. Doesn't matter if you know you have a favorite queen and it, whether that's Alexis or not. She was she's very talented. She's done very very well. You know, again, objectively in terms of like her performance, I felt like she did deserve to make it this far. But me and David both kind of saw that we didn't see Alexis being in like the top three and not winning the crown uh, because we just thought there were other queens that probably could go further, uh, which happened to be the case. Alexis went home this week. But apparently, according to this fan recap, the Roscoe's viewing party thing wasn't like the kindest to Alexis Michelle. It's like there's a live audience there. Roscoe's like a bar. So there's people there all doing the watch party. And then they also get to like do a Q&A. So apparently some of the things that Alexis said, because obviously you're going to ask her about like, oh, that tiff y'all had in the workroom with uh, Jimbo and Candy um, and uh, Heidi, where Heidi said, oh, like, uh, Alexis, didn't uh, Candy say this and that about Jimbo, about trying to, like, get him out of the competition, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, 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 I guess the good thing is Alexis Michelle had a chance to explain her side of the story. Um, but apparently some of the fans at Roscoe's didn't really buy it. And like, ooh. So I, if I have a lot of time to kill, I'll try to watch it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, the one thing they kept reiterating is, well, it's, this is like a TV show, first of all. And I agree with that. You know, the TV show is put on for entertainment purposes. Yes, it is also a competition and the surprise at the end and all that stuff. But, you know, first and foremost, it is a TV show meant for entertainment. And you have to separate a little bit from the TV show itself to who the queens actually are outside of the show because the show is like a bit of like a unique environment. So that I think is important for all the fans to keep in mind. Like I, I talked one or two episodes ago uh, about me not being the biggest fan of Alexis Michelle. And that's fine. You don't have to be in love with every single drag queen. People are going to have their biases and their favorites. Um, you know, there doesn't mean I hate her or I think anything bad should happen to her. Like I said, she's very talented. Um, it's totally legit that she got this far. If you just look at her performances in the various uh, challenges, like, you know, like she, she did well on paper, right? Again, whether you like whether uh, what a queen said on a particular episode of the TV show or you like the list that they depict or not, you know, that's that's partially just a TV show. And again, there are producers there nudging things this way or that. Um, you know, you have to detach that a little bit from, hey, what are they like outside of the show, right? <laughs> but uh, for a lot of people, the only glimpse that they get into a lot of these queens is the TV show, right? The TV show put them on the map, a NASA platform. And, you know, you get, you get to be on TV. And, you know, for a lot of these queens, that's how they, they get their breakout and you know, uh, onto like the global stage, if you will, right? So yeah, it is what it is. I keep on talking a lot on these podcasts. So uh, we're at 30 minutes now. So we're going to wrap it up here. But uh, don't be surprised if next week we're, we start doing um, two episodes a week. Maybe I take them down to like 20, tw something, 20 minutes or something like that. Because I have a list here, actually. I have my laptop here. If you guys have noticed watching the video podcast, I have a whole bunch of things I want to talk about. I have like a little bit of an outline. I actually have a few bullet points 
for every episode of this podcast that I record, and I bring it up in this doc, all the things that are uh, bullets for this episode, I actually didn't talk about most of them because I just went on and on for like three topics, one of them which was not even on the list at all. And I want to make sure these guys, uh, make sure these episodes are kind of lightweight. I don't want to talk for like a full hour. I know you all have other podcasts that you subscribe to and love to hear as well. And I want to keep it kind of light. So yeah, if I make that change, well, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever uh, you get all your podcasts. Again, there's the video version of this podcast. If you want to see me with my two mics and my headband this week um, on Spotify and also on my YouTube channel, just Joey T. But until next time, bye.